Wasn't that good? Wow, let me just say, uh, some of you, uh, maybe if you're missing, and those of you who are watching from home and other places, you know, welcome also here to worship. We are in a different venue. We were flooded on Christmas Eve, and so we're here. We're not quite sure when we'll be back uh, in the sanctuary just yet, but I can tell you this. Uh, the staff and others are working very, very hard to kind of get everything kind of worked uh, through and, and figured out what was damaged and what was not. It is a big place and a big chore, yes? Thank you to everyone who is doing that. And I know Wayne and the staff has kind of taken lead, lead in, in that. But I want to talk to us this morning, uh, and I hope you're kind of uh, ready a little bit. Uh, sometimes people say, well, you know, these days you've got to dumb things down a little bit. People are not quite as, as aware of things, uh, you know, biblically and theologically and, and maybe even in terms of, of, of some of that as they used to be. And I always thought that's just, uh, there's a word for that. I can't use words like baloney here, but you know, uh, <laughs> it's the other way around. I think when, when people sometimes think, you know, this faith thing is not really for me. Some of that has to do with it just being not us asking the harder questions and not dealing with the real issues. So what I'm saying here is I'll ask you to kind of uh, perk up your ears, maybe take a couple of notes, uh, think through and stay alert as we walk through some of these texts uh, that we're going to read uh, here together. And I hope you noticed also, uh, and those of you who are paying attention certainly would have, right? That we have read from all the different sections of scripture, more or less, right? From the prophets and from the historical books and, and, and from the Psalms. We're gonna, now we're going to read from the epistles and, and later on we'll look at like a word from, from the gospels. Just think, see the scripture kind of ties in together, right? We're here to do what? To worship God. Yes? Listen to his words, come to him in prayer, sing his praise, and just see how does he inspire us and beyond that instruct us and help us to live out the life that he has called us to live? So I want to read uh, two sections of scripture with you today, beginning in, in Acts chapter 2 as a section of the first sermon ever preached since the outpouring of the Spirit. So we may call that the first Christian, quote unquote, sermon ever preached. And then we go straight to uh, Hebrews 11 where we were also last uh, Sunday, and we're going to spend a little bit of time here in the very beginning of the new year to talk about faith and its impact on our lives and all of that. So uh, beginning in verse 17, Peter is quoting uh, the prophet Joel, and he says, It will be in these last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people, And then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I'll even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. I'll display wonders uh, in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. And then in chapter 11 of of, uh, the letter to the Hebrews, it goes uh, like this. By faith, verse 8, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed, and set out for a place 
that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she has considered that one, that the one who had promised was faithful. Therefore, from one man, in fact, one, uh, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and as innumerable as the grains of the sand along the seashore. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents of the earth. Then verse 17. By faith, Abraham was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and yet he was offering his one and only son, the one to whom it had been said, your seed will be called through Isaac. And then verse 29. By faith, the people of God crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. When the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. Can I speak to you a little bit about focus? I want to talk to you about the connection between faith, focus, and life's meaning, or the meaning of life. Everyone who has done just a little photography knows how important focus is. Yes, if you do a portrait and the autofocus catches something over here and the portrait itself gets blurry, the whole thing is blurry. You can't see anything but that, right? And, or if you're trying to do a great landscape or a great mountain scene or whatever, and, and some little dumb grass straw catches that thing, and the whole thing becomes blurry. We know how that works. Sometimes, those of you who know a little bit more about photography maybe, you know there can be a problem with depth of field, that we see something sharp and something blurry because we don't have enough depth of field. A lot the same with life, is it not? It's about focus. When we get the central thing out of focus, everything kind of becomes blurry. My dad was a pastor uh, also, and, and uh, in a tremendous guy like that, I expected everybody anticipate you say that about your dad, but he really was. Look him up. It is an incredible, incredible guy, just insightful as few. And, and one of the things he said when I was called to pastor, when I started actually on that first Sunday in my very first church, he said, son, always focus on the most important and let the rest fight about all the other stuff. That has been an important lesson. Focus on what matters and let the other fight about the other stuff. He was so keen on that. He used that even bringing us up. You know, I'm going to tell you how old I am just by saying this. 
You know, when we were just a young teen, just becoming teenagers, everybody had hair to hair, right? <laughs> so did I. <laughs> just like that. In fact, I had to outdo the others. And, and there were a lot of parents that got really bent out of shape over their kids wanted to grow hair long. And, and it became family tension and it destroyed family. I have friends from childhood that are still not in church, doesn't even have anything to do with God because of what happened then. And they came to my dad because, you know, who am I? I'm the pastor's kid, right? Could you not tell your son not to do that and get a haircut? And he looked right at him and said, nothing could be less important than the length of his hair. That will change with the next change of fashion, yes? Right now, something way more, as he's becoming a teenager, needs to be in focus. Don't kill stuff on peripheral matters. That was his point, yes? That's the focus, and that's what we want to talk about also here. We get to this kind of challenge from this very text that we read, and that we just read, a text that is part of the very first sermon preached, as already mentioned, and we get some very central ideas, some points of focus about faith, if you will, that is actually what gives meaning to life. Just think about it. If I was going to ask you on a morning like that, maybe you're sitting at home, maybe you're just uh, getting, getting up and, and getting your coffee ready, whatever it is, but regardless of who you are, even if you have never even thought about matters of faith and God, this has to do with life. If I was going to ask you what motivates your life, What creates excitement in your soul? What gets your gears going or your wheels turning, if you will? What would you answer? If I gave you a little time to reflect on it, sooner or later you will get to that point where you have to talk about your convictions. You have to talk about purpose. You have to talk about the meaning of life. And you say, why is that? Why do we get there? Because we have to. If not, everything becomes meaningless, right? And, And this is how it goes. If all you can say is that things are random and and things that are insignificant and they're haphazard and they just happen to, they just happen. Coincidentally, if that's all, then insignificance falls right at this heel. It, it goes without saying that that which happened coincidentally could as well not have happened. Therefore, it cannot be that significant. Are you following this? I ho- I'm not trying to be philosophical. I'm simply trying to see or uh, say also what the text, I think, is saying right here in terms of focus. Only when there's clear purpose Only when there's clear, deliberate focus on what needs to happen will you find true meaning. That's where we see things go also in this text. Some of you are are well aware of, there's a group 
Now I'm really going back, right? Called the Beatles. <laughs> you know, the greatest desperation we have as human beings is really that we are insignificant. That what we do and who we are really does not matter. It's just what it is. Beatles sang about that. Some of you know it, right? He is the real nowhere man. Living in his nowhere land. Making all his nowhere plans for nobody. Right? Doesn't have a point of view. Knows not where he's going to. Isn't he a bit like you and me? Oops. Oops. He's as blind as he can be, just sees what he wants to see. We get desperate when we find that there's no significance. Then there's no real meaning to life. And so, here it is. That's a connection between faith and life's meaning, that there's a focus on what God has called us to do, right? Once there is that purpose that God has infused into our lives by his word and by his work, everything changes. And there's new life, there's new power, there's new meaning. That's why it's so important for people to truly see the difference between what could be kind of nice and what is truly important. Not just it would be good to focus a little bit here, a little bit there, but what really needs to be in focus. Sometimes we, we don't really make that distinction between what we are truly dependent upon and what we just want or just need. Maybe I can explain that with just a simple illustration. If, if you're truly sick and you're becoming immobile and you're in a bed, you may need a visit. But you depend on someone bringing you food. You depend on someone taking you to the restroom. Yes? There's a lot of things we may need that would be nice, but there are other things at a deeper level that really makes us dependent upon certain things. And that's true also when it comes to life. God has called us to serve in a powerful way. Just think about it. Maybe I can illustrate it like this way. Everyone here, I'm sure, unless you live in a bubble someplace, have heard about the Mohammed. Yes? Now, he had all kinds of needs we don't know, but we know one thing he was dependent upon, and that is someone gave him CPR right there and right now. Yes? That's true also. There's a lot of things we need, a lot of things we want, but there's one thing that we depend on, and that is the presence and the power of God. Let us not miss this. I'm thinking about sometimes what gets me up in the morning, and maybe you're thinking about the same thing. What gets you up in the morning? And I don't know what gets you up in the morning, but I know for me, it is not the ever-growing list of tasks that seem to have non-stop Comes like a flood kind of presence, right? That's not it. That only make me tired thinking about that. 
But what gets me up is a keen awareness of the purpose that God has called me to work in his kingdom. He has called me to be one of his servants. And with that, I have to give every gift that he has given me. I have to give every ounce of energy that I have to serve in that kingdom. Yes, that's what gets you up. Then all the other things will fall into place because of that. If you lose that sense of motivation, friends, You've lost the very power, the very energy for life. Life's meaning is found when you focus your faith on the very things that forces you to recognize that you are dependent upon God in the truest sense of that word. And that's what we read right here. In Acts chapter 2. If you have your text, I want you to look at it. If you don't, just listen to this. When you see that, there are three major things that are being pointed out as God's will. Those are the things that that have that, that purpose focus right here. God says three times, I will. In verse 17 and 18, he says, I will pour out my spirit. In verse 19... He is saying it like this. I will make wonders in heaven and on earth. In other words, make my presence right available, right here for you to see. In verse 21, he says, I will that people shall be saved. Three I wills. Friends, our church right here. Your life as an individual depends about you Hearing God's I will in your life. This is so foundational that if you don't see that, everything else will become blurry. Just like that picture we talked about. I will for you to be my disciples. I will for you to build my church. I will for you to be workers in my kingdom. I wonder, and I have to ask myself that, am I asking about God's I will in my life? We know how easy it is to lose that sense of the meaning of life or it becomes some kind of flippant statement with no real depth. Why is this so important? It is because our lives depend on it. Not only the life of our church, but your life, your home, your neighborhood, our state, our world, everywhere depends on this. If you look at that first sermon that Peter preached, you will notice that he he begins by quoting a prophecy. And some of you are thinking that may just be a good illustration or that may be, just be this or that. But really there's more to it than that. Think about what prophecy is. Prophecy is promise. Prophecy is, is God saying that I care. 
I care even for history's flow. I'm not uninvolved. See, if everything has just been one swamp of coincidences. One thing happened haphazardly after the other. Like some would say, you ask them, what is history? Is there one thing after the other? Some even uses a word in between. There one darn thing after the other. No, I shouldn't say that. Are you hearing me? That's not it. If it had just been that, there would be no way for God to have told someone this will happen. Prophecy tells us that God cares not only for the history of the world, but for the history of our church, for your history, your family, you as an individual. He cares through these promises that he has given through his spokespeople, the prophets, he is saying, I care. It's not haphazard. I'm involved. I'm engaged. It's not like God wakes up and says, I wonder if the evil one will win. No, the evil one will not have the last word. That's the point. He will not. Nor does God wake up and wring in his hands and I'm not sure what would happen tomorrow. Almighty God is not ever taken by surprise. Both his, his presence and his love makes it possible for us to experience that kind of meaningfulness even in our own lives. If that doesn't matter to you, I don't know what matters to you, friends. I hope I'm not becoming philosophical here. I'm really not trying to. I'm just trying to look at the power of what Scripture says about these things. Faith, focus, and the meaning of life all ties in together. Faith, Scripture says, is being sure of what? you hope for it's kind of a certainty or reality if you want to of what you don't really see that's why it's so important don't we all wake up like this you who are sitting maybe at home or wherever you are don't you wake up like this saying i need for my life to have significance to matter i need guidance i need a sense of purpose i need to know why this matters. So here's what we learn from the text that we read in chapter 11 just this morning of the letter to the Hebrews. Notice here what happens. It talks about the when and the why and the, and, the, and the how and all that. Look at this here, right here. Look where we began in verse 8, right? It was by faith we're told. And this is a really a history lesson. And how God takes care of Abraham in that way. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God without knowing where he was going. Verse 8. It was by faith that he obeyed without knowing exactly how things would develop. That's verse 11. It was by faith that he obeyed without knowing when God's promises would come to fulfillment. That's verse 13. It was by faith that he obeyed uh, without having to ask why. Verse 17. Notice that. 
where, how, when, why, all of those are tied up in the faith statement. Faith is that firm conviction of what is hoped for. So a life in our church, friends, is lived in the very same way. We don't know our future. We don't know what God has in store for us, but we know God's promises. And they don't always come with a blueprint. They just don't. But they come with a call and a promise, and they say, I will be with you all the days until the end. Faith trusts that. Faith is the opposite of that full control that, that we got to do what we have always done because then we know. No, faith steps out. Faith trusts that when we focus on who he is and on his calling, what? Things will come about. And change, yes? And then so what happens? What happens when that becomes a reality? The spirit changes. It changes within us and it changes among us. I think we've all been places, have we not? Where we just have had to use that phrase, well, there's like a different spirit here. Uh-huh. Or even come back to a place where, well, it's like the spirit has truly changed and we know that, Yes? We know that we even sing about that. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. Why? We know it's the spirit of the Lord. That he creates that spirit through our commitment in faith. I will pour out my spirit upon my people. Don't miss this, friends. That's the certainty about that that drives everything and gives meaning to life, pulls us through days of tiredness, pulls us in when we get frustrated and all that. I'm going to move on and just just look at one last thing right here when it says uh, about the young people and the old people and even those who are normally outside of the blessing of God. First, it says, about the young, that they shall prophesy. What does that mean? It means that they will see God's way, understand his will, and live in anticipation and the creative power of seeing that come through. What does it say about the, the, old, and the young also? It says about them, by the way, that, that they shall see visions. That is, that they will become visionaries for what God can do among us. Yes, that's the promise. The old folks, what about them? Well, they will dream dreams. That is, they're going to be able to use their wisdom and apply that to these new times. Not the the old folks will remember, the old folks will dream dreams. How can the wisdom God has given me through all these years be applied to this new reality that we live in? right now that's where we see what's coming through right here even those who are outside of the normal blessings of God what the Bible here calls 
the servants or the bond servants in some translations. Even they should have the full experience of God's blessing. I got to hear some amens. I mean, I'm just saying, back overseas where I pastored, I had someone sitting on the front row that was cognitively challenged, but always so much in love with the Lord. Got excited, was so much in love with Jesus, could not help but express it. I always said to the church, why can't you all just, you know, I'm just saying. This powerful, early when we were singing, I wanted to hear, we're dancing on the floor. I thought, yes, let's all get. The promises of God are that great. Let me end by this, just pointing to verse 29, since we read that also. Chapter 11, verse 21, 29, right here, goes like this. By faith, they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. That's the people of God. Uh, when the Egyptian attempted to do this, they were drowned. So what's going on here? Does that mean when we have the same God that he loves one more than the other? No, that's, that's not really the point. The reason is this. One of the people, God's people, were clearly understanding their dependence upon God. They cried out to heaven for help from God. And so, therefore, they saw him take them out of captivity into the promised land, even through that very waters that swallowed up the faithless. I hope you catch the depth of this. If you do, if you truly do, it will change your life. Jesus puts it this way. The one who believes shall be saved. Try to reflect on that. Even outside of religious boxes. Just as a life statement. The one who believes shall be saved. It's about life. It's not about just eternal stuff. It's about life itself. It's about your life. About my life. It's about the life of our church. Faith. Focus. Motivation. Inspiration. Meaning and meaningfulness. All of that is tied together and summed up in that word, faith. We call uh, John three sixteen. For kind of the Bible in a nutshell, gospel in a nutshell, we can say it in many ways. It goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Who shall have everlasting life? Those who believe. Those who believe what? Those who believe. That he will pour out his spirit upon all people so that the young people will dream dreams and have visions and become visionaries for the kingdom of God. Those who believe that the old people shall dream dreams and be able to share their wisdom for a new time. And those who believe that blessings will flow 
even to those who feel they're outside of the normal flows of blessing. That, dear friends, is the promise of God. This is the second Sunday of the new year, yes? It's only January 8th. It feels like it's something much more, but it's only January 8th. The first non-New Year morning Sunday. Can this be the guide for what we're going to go through in 2023? Yes? Yes. Can we stand? We're going to ask God to do his work. I want to invite you to really do that when we come out of here. Some of you want to grab a cup of coffee and give it to someone that you have not met before. You want to grab someone's hand, someone you have not met before. You may want to grab a phone when you come home. You may want to invite someone to your Bible study right now. Yes. Let's love one another. Let's see that God has called us to be his church right here, right now. Father, will you pour out your spirit upon everyone here? May we know that these words that we have shared are not just words from, from a book that we just like to talk about, but these are works of, words of reality that come straight from God. When Jesus said, from your inner beings shall come well up rivers, streams of living water. May that be true for each even here that we ask and those who may be at home or watching online later on at some other time Father speak also to them may we know if there's some that does not know what it means to call you Lord in any kind of real sense Father we ask that they will come and ask for guidance we'll be right here there's some that said I got to find a church that can Encourage me to be part of this, to grow up in my faith in, in a new way. Friends, we right here, if that's you. Father, I ask also you talk to those who have to realize in their own inner being that their faith had become just humdrum. All they're doing is managing the humdrum of daily life. They're not guided by that clear vision that comes from deep faith. In your son, Jesus Christ. Whatever the decision is, may we all take it right now. The altar here is open. You can come kneel. Whatever God is speaking to you, maybe you want to grab someone's hand. And just say, can we pray together? Father, do your work. It's all you. Amen.